Well, hello. And as we go through the books of the New Testament and the order in which they were written, we find ourselves taking a look at the book of Titus, starting today. Titus was a very different character than Timothy when it comes to personality and skill sets. We, we figure that out by the way that Paul talks to both of them, which is different, but also where he sends them. Timothy seems to go to places that have a lot of resources, a good Jewish community uh, that can then help the Gentile communities be absorbed. Places where optimism uh, can live a bit. Titus is sent to places where it is rugged, it is tough, and it's going to be hard. Titus was evidently good at this, and, and Paul wasn't sending him there because he didn't like him. It was because this was his skill set. He was good at this. When you need a gunslinger, um, spiritually speaking, you would send Titus. So, let's take a look. First, several verses are generic greeting, the way that Paul always greets. And there's really not anything new there. And he wraps that up in verse 4. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Uh, the book of Titus was written sometime around the same time as First and Second Timothy. There are scholars that doubt that Paul wrote either of the Timothys because of the way uh, word choices, verb usage, and such changes uh, rather dramatically from the books that we do know for certain that he wrote. I actually don't get into that fight. Uh, I'm fine with saying Paul wrote the books. They seem to been, have been written in a batch. So we arguably could have done 2 Timothy right now instead of Titus, but it was so close together. Uh, I just feel like you gotta make a choice. So we're going with Titus, okay? Here, in the first verse, we're gonna find some interesting things. Great, uh, he says, verse five, the first verse of past the greeting, verse five. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now, I grew up in a church that uh, claimed it had found the pattern of the New Testament church. It had restored the pattern of the New Testament church in faith, doctrine, and practice. So in the way that it sang, the way that it worshiped, the way that it organized, everything was according to the pattern. And in fact, one of the big books, and literally big books, that was incredibly popular uh, and is still on the shelves of I don't know how many churches and ministers. Big book called Behold the Pattern, where it revealed that yes, there's an absolute pattern and you're supposed to do this pattern in your worship and the way you set up your churches. And if you do it all perfectly, then you get salvation, rather like a magician, if, they, if he or she does all of the actions perfectly, then they reveal your card or a bunny gets out of the hat. The problem is human beings are big old wads of inconsistency, including me, of course. All of us are, and most of us don't mean to be. We don't think we are, but we are. We miss things because we're not looking for them, and we see things because we are looking for that. Even if it's not really there, we'll see it. I don't know how many times in my life I've had people say, you're supposed to take communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, on the first day of the week because Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 says they gathered together on the first day of the week to break bread. 
without ever under, having a really good look at the chapter and realizing break bread meant a lot of things back then. It didn't just mean the communion. And number two, they didn't take it till Monday. And so they didn't take it on the first day of the week because Paul went on a bit. There was a death in the congregation. Um, it was shoved back to Monday. But again, they don't see that because they're looking for something and what they see isn't really there. And it's not just them, it's you, it's me, we all do this. This is why we're saved by grace and not by precision obedience, not by perfection in any way, shape, or form. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. So why do I bring that up here? One of the big guys in the church of my youth uh, challenged me after a presentation I gave at a church in Houston and he was saying, you know, I'm, I'm a Bible, I go by Bible things, I call Bible things by Bible names, and I go book, chapter, and verse, and you are just, and I stopped him. I said, excuse me, you say you're an elder. And he said, yes, yes, I am an elder. And I said, how'd you get to be one of those? And he froze for a bit, because nobody ever asked that question. And he says, well, um, the congregation was asked to put forward some names to be considered for the eldership and then there was a vote and they had to get a certain percentage of the thing and there was, I stopped him. And I said, don't ever come to me and tell me that you follow the pattern of scripture and I don't. And he says, what do you mean? And I said, well, there's only one verse in the Bible that tells us, gives us an example of somebody being made an elder. And it was the preacher from out of town coming in and appointing elders. And he said, where is that? All of his life he had read Timothy. All of his life he knew sections of Timothy and Titus, and, but he had never seen the one verse. And Paul's telling Titus, as you go from community to community, you appoint the elders. Now, by the way, do I think that's the way it should be done today? No, no. I'm just pointing out that people who say they go by the pattern are always inconsistent because they have to be. They're human beings and are reading a book that was not written as instructions for the magic act. And therefore, they're trying to misuse an ancient text and no wonder they end up with mixed results. Instead, we have to be um, we have to be careful that we do not impose our reading and our culture back on this book. For example, what is Titus doing setting up um, setting up elders in each of these towns? Well, in the Jewish communities, and Titus was not in one in Crete. Jewish communities, elders kind of bubbled together from the from from below to the surface organically. They lived in the communities, the people knew them, they knew that they were honest and forthright and kind and gentle, that they had a shepherd's heart, that they loved their community, that their advice would be sound and certain. They knew this because they've been doing it for a thousand plus years. The Gentiles came from scattered communities that did not have anything like this and therefore they what, where's their bench that they can call out elders from? So T Titus has to go in. He has to determine as he goes from town to town, which of these individuals 
is trustworthy? Which of these individuals looks like Jesus, acts like Jesus, uh, serves like Jesus, is humble, will not use this as power, will not use this as a springboard to anything else or financial gain as we talked about last week, <clears throat> but instead will, will be honorable. So he's got to go and then say, all right, people, listen to these people because they're good and they're honorable people who love Jesus. And if ever you see that they don't, you can go talk to them and say, you can rebuke them. You can challenge them. You can, you can be careful doing so because we don't go around rebuking. But when it's necessary, you know, you might have to step away from their leadership. But for right now, the, the, they seem to be the right people to be your leaders. Everybody needs to pick a captain of the team. And so Titus is doing that. What are, what are the requirements? Well, they seem very similar. And so go back to the first Timothy, if you didn't listen to that one before. We do a, quite a long discussion about elders and what these words mean. This is not a legal document. It's not a checklist that all these things have to be checked before you're, you're allowed to be called an elder. It is a general description. So the first, he must be blameless, the husband of but one wife. And that, again, is a very controversial uh, thing, whether it means can't be a polygamist, because that did exist, or whether it means that um, they can't be you know, divorced and remarried. Uh, there are those who believe that if they're widowed, they can't be an elder because their wife's, you know, they're no longer the husband of one wife. I believe that trying to impose legal standards on this misses the point. The point is he's married and he's got a woman that he can listen to because men need to hear women's voices. They need to hear the wisdom that comes from them, their concerns. They need to hear what men have overlooked and they need that in an intimate setting and they need to be successful living with a woman. And so that's really what it's talking about. A man whose children believe and not, are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. This is a whole different standard than Timothy got. Timothy was working with churches that had large Jewish communities or had been birthed from churches that had large Jewish communities. Therefore, the, the elders there, he said, their children need to be believers here. <coughs> they need to be... Um, believers but also not charged with wild conduct or in some versions not accused of riot because you're not going to find a whole lot of real solid decent wonderful families going on in um uh, in tight in, in crete so titus has got to work with what titus has he goes since a, an overseer is entrusted with god's work he must be blameless. Second time he said that, there were problems on Crete. You're going to see this fairly soon. Um, not overbearing, not quick-tempered. All right? Wouldn't you think that, would, that could go without saying? Evidently not. And by the way, I've, I have run across elders, bishops, and pastors who were quick-tempered, who were overbearing who dominated every room they walked into. There are some societies where being macho, being the man, you have to strut like a peacock and you have to dominate every room and you have to never accept a, uh, a um, um, 
a, a, a challenge to your status. That still exists in many cultures, uh, including many cultures stateside. Whenever I read the letters of uh, Civil War generals from America during that, that war 160 years ago, uh, it astounds me at how they strut and speak of themselves in such lofty terms. Um, no, we don't need that kind of leader. We need more of a humble, kind and gentle leader. And remember the, the in Timothy, it was, you know, not given to much wine, you know, um, here, not given to drunkenness. There, there is a difference here. Yeah, this is, you're going to have to lower your standards to get started on Crete. Not violent. That seems to, what did we cover? It, it, it's brought up again. Kind of like blameless. It pops back up again. Not pursuing dishonest gain. Once again, this is something we could look at and say, isn't, isn't that a given? It wasn't on Crete. In Crete, some of the people who got dishonest gain were proud of the way they got it. If you read histories of the time, um, there's a reason why a grave insult through the, through the millennia have been to call somebody a Cretan. Well, because the way they acted was to the Romans and to the Jews, scandalous. So this is what Titus is going into and being told, you find some blameless, honest, kind, non-overbearing, not drunk leaders whose kids aren't rioting in the streets. Rather, he must be hospitable, um, open arms, open homes, open wallet. One who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, self-controlled. Does not have to be always watched, but self-controlled. He must be upright, holy, and disciplined. Once again, self-controlled, disciplined. Why are we getting this word twice? Because it's that important that they be a self-starter who disciplines themselves that nobody has to write hurt on them nobody has to check on them they know what they are going to be doing they know they're going to do it well and they work well he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught as it has been taught now remember most of the books of the new testament have not been written by this time so what is the message? The message is Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the message. Paul would distill it, and we've already looked at that when we went through the books of Corinthians, into that Jesus is the Son of God. He came down, was born of a virgin. He dwelt among us. He died for us. He then was resurrected for us and has ascended in heaven. And Paul said, that's all I know. And so you go into theological libraries where there are books that are 700 pages long at lining the walls. You need to remember that the message isn't this. The message is Jesus is the Son of God. He loves you. Love him and love each other. So that's the message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So he's going to need to have some knowledge of Christ, the prophecies, and the teachings. For there, why? Why is this a problem? Well, Paul says there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. 
Oh, so some of the Jews that were part of the we'll let Gentiles be Christians, but they have to be circumcised and be Jews too group must have been on Crete or converts to their way of thinking, Greeks, Gentiles, that now believed that doctrine, that you needed Jesus and this level of purity, Jesus and these ceremonies, Jesus and anything. When your church starts talking about you need Jesus and, red flags should be thrown all over the field. They must be silenced, he says, the circumcision group, because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. All right then, Titus has a big job ahead of him. Paul must think he can do it. But then he gives him a warning about the, how tough it's going to be. Are you ready for what this is going to open up? Even one of their own prophets. Now here he's not talking about the group of circumcision. He's talking about one of the Cretes, one of the people from Crete, who are called Cretans. Even one of their own prophets have said, Cretans are always liars, always evil brutes, lazy gluttons. Then Paul says, this testimony is true. Hold up. Now those of you, and some of you I know are still there, and I'm glad you are, because I think you're good people, um, but who are, get upset at me because I don't believe the Bible, it was dictated by God and written down by humans word for word. And I believe that humanity shines through it and in fact gives it a, a much more beautiful flow and flavor when you look for it. If you believe that God dictated this book to Paul and he wrote it down as given, do you really believe everybody on the Isle of Crete was a liar, evil, lazy, and a glutton? Every one of them. Do you believe that? Well, if so, Titus is going to have nobody to talk to and nobody to make a ruler or an elder over any community. Instead, this is Paul saying, you're in a nasty place. Nobody wants to go there. It seems irredeemable. He's warning Titus. By the way, I wish he wouldn't have done this. I wish he would have said, uh, their, their own prophet said this, but please, you know, and I know there are good people there. Seek them out. He didn't do that. And that bothers me, but it would bother me a lot more if I thought it was God that had made that declaration. When you must fight for inerrancy so much that you make these words come out of God's mouth and mind, you are more concerned about your doctrine than you are about the character and reputation of your God. Never argue your doctrine if it hurts God. God loves everybody, and that includes the Cretans. So, Paul said, this testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply so that they'll be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths. Remember Paul's a Jew? Remember Timothy was a Jew? Titus seems to be a Greek, but he might have some Jewish background. Um, he's saying, listen, don't let them get into this Jesus and you must become a part 
of this ancient community with all of its holidays, clean and unclean foods, circumcision. No, this is something new God has done. Which, by the way, Moses told them that one day God would make a new covenant with them that was not like the one that he made on Sinai. <coughs> but it's always a surprise when something you didn't think was going to happen in your lifetime does. And so they seem to have missed it. So pay no attention to the Jewish myths or the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, this is so beautiful, Paul has nailed this. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. Think about today, our society, our Twitter society, Instagram society, TikTok society, where I can see something and go, oh, that's a funny joke. Somebody else will see it and goes, that was a horrible attack and that was evil and I'm so hurt now and I'm going, you know, um, I'm told that white men are constantly under attack right now. And, uh, okay, all right. Um, I'm sure we have some of that coming. But I can laugh at jokes about me. And I can marvel at the evil that people that look like me have done without as saying everything is terrible and everything is horrible and you must be canceled and die. We've got to get to the point where we understand that to the pure, when we see things, things are pure. To the evil, they're evil. By the way, this is one of the reasons why we're warned by various law enforcement agencies not to put up certain videos and pictures of your children online because you might have your little kid playing at the beach. But to an evil person, when they see that picture, they see something that is uh, that will help them lust and they will save the picture for their privacy, private evil. Again, they're evil. So what they see is evil, even when it's really pure. So Titus is being warned here by Paul, you go into the situation, don't forget to be pure and to see things as pure. Don't get, don't become like the evil, calling everything evil. It's probably as clear as mud. If you have any questions, email me, okay? Um, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Once again, that seems a lot harsher than anything Jesus would have said, except to the religiously smug, and He went after them in, in a very famous discourse. Um, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. This is being recorded at, in the first week of October, but you're going to see it uh, about midway through November. Every year in the last several years, abortion, uh, abortionist and their allies have been sending out Christmas cards celebrating abortion. Christmas cards celebrating abortion. And you will have people that will stand up and they'll say, you know, I'm a loyal member of the Catholic Church or of this church and I believe in God and the like, but I really think <coughs> that, you know, abortion is just fine all the way up until the moment of birth. I, I have a problem with that. I really do. You'll see other people run roughshod over churches, sexually abuse staff. 
You'll see them make mega millions and hoard it to unto themselves, all while claiming to be Christian. Be very careful. Be very careful. And by the way, earning millions of dollars is fine. I'm talking here about taking it from the church. And where it doesn't go to good, it goes to you. Um, there, there's something about, there's something known as too much. And I'm not going to, there's not a dollar amount for it. You're going to have to work on that. Go back to last week because Paul talked about it back there. We've reached to the end of chapter two, but I want to move forward if I can. Chapter, uh, I'm sorry, chapter one to chapter two. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. So what is it going to be? As soon as people say that, they come out with, oh, behold the pattern. Here are all these books. No, Paul is now going to, as he has already, make a statement and then define his terms. So what is sound doctrine? Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled. Again, that's going to keep being hammered in the book of Titus. Sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Friends, you don't need to go into a theological library and cart out 500 books to keep you busy. This will keep you busy for the rest of your life. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers, gossips going from house to house, or addicted to much wine, once again, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Okay, troublesome passage for us, but let's go through it. Cretan uh, society, I say saying the word Cretan because of what it's come to mean. The society of Crete at the time, was incredibly wild and licentious. Uh, marriage vows were not very often taken or kept. Uh, affairs were commonplace and sometimes in your face. Drunkenness, carousing was a part of what you did. It was the community. So he's trying to get everybody into a different mind frame. So the older women, he wants them to stop the gossiping, the tales, uh, the who's with who, the, the drunkenness, but rather to spend their time helping the younger women. And, and the phrase here, I don't think NIV has badly translated it at all, but literally it means to be man lovers and child lovers. In other words, not to abandon their families, not to abandon their vows, if they made vows. Ladies, I will, I will absolutely attest that it can be exceptionally hard to love a man because men are very different. We're very simple creatures, but we're also rather dangerous. Um, we're rather blind at times. We're rather bull in the china shop, but men have a purpose on this earth that they need to be here for. And there is a value in this. My wife will often thank me for something I've done around the house or for bringing an extra income with one of my other jobs that I work uh, so that we can, we can eat. And uh, she will thank me for being a guy, a guy that can put aside the other considerations and just get in there and get this done. 
a guy that does the heavy lifting, a guy that does, because I can. By the way, if you're disabled, you can still be a guy. You know, if you can't do all this, you can still be a guy. There, there are values to being guys. But I often hear women, and often in women's groups and churches, cut their husbands down um, and, and say, well, he did this stupid thing or the like. Well, every, every situation, comedy and mo almost every commercial, the guy is the stupid one. Well, I think they do that because men being powerful and rather in power, you can make fun of them like that. And, and okay, but ladies learn to love the fact that this is a guy. If you're wondering, well, why am I not talking about loving the fact this is a woman? Are you kidding? We're obsessed with you. We're obsessed with the way you look. We're obsessed with the way you do things. You are an incredible mystery to us. And we just, um, we're, we're crazy about you. The way we're crazy about you may not be the way you wanted. You know, you might've wanted a nice dinner and him to do some landscaping. He's crazy about you and wants to jump on you whenever you're coming down the hall. Yeah, I get that. Marriage, you're gonna have to work out these things. But on the Isle of Crete, the women were going to have to be retaught how to love their kids and to love their husbands. Now, I've had people try to use this passage to say that women are not to have a job outside the home. Uh, and, you know, this is what Titus said. This is not a pattern. You don't live on Crete in the first century. He is showing us the way we're supposed to live. And on Crete, this was an issue. They needed to stay home. It wasn't that they were going out and they had a job at an accountancy. They were going out to carouse. They were going out in the general immorality that was accepted as culture of the day. So don't try to bend this and slap it on a 2022 American life or British life or Tanzanian life or Japanese life where we're listened to all over the world. That's not what this is about. These are general principles, yes, but things that are general principles have to bend according to a present reality. So that said, what about the guys, the young men? We already got the old guys. What about the young men? Next week, we'll see you there. I hope that if you're traveling over Thanksgiving that you will be safe, that you will have a good time with your family and that um, you remember that families that are difficult, they need Jesus too. You don't need to talk about him. Just be like him. All right. God bless you. We'll see you next week.